I've met a lot of people and when I've been talking about culture and when is the time that you need that? I think it's whenever you're ready to receive that idea because the soon, and then I would say, and the sooner you're ready to receive that idea, it will be a pivot point for your business in terms of how your team develops moving forwards because then the culture no longer lives in your heart or in your head, but it actually can live in a form that everyone can say, yeah, these are our values. Welcome to the Bombshell Business Podcast, where driven women in business learn how to become more bold, brave, and unwaveringly confident. Feel empowered and challenged through inspiring stories and tell it like it is advice for business, life, and leadership. Welcome or welcome back to the Bombshell Business Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Hurdle, and we are in the middle of the vacation rental industry, short-term rental industry takeover of the Bombshell Business Podcast. I have been fortunate enough to be able to speak both at the Book Direct Conference at the beginning of the week and also um, working with the Mastermind in Vegas before the Vacation Rental Management Association International Conference. And I thought, what a better week to just bring in a bunch of amazing people. This industry is just full of some of the best human beings on the planet and highlight them throughout this week um, because why not? It's it's a it's it's a great plan to me anyway. So today I want to welcome Robin Cragen, who is an amazing entrepreneur, quite the adventurous guy. I'm not reading his official bio, but I can tell you that he is co-owner with his wife of Moving Mountains, a luxury uh, vacation rental management company in Colorado. And we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit more. He's also very involved in the industry and is the perfect example. In fact, I'm using him in my opening keynote at the Book Direct Conference as a perfect example of my brand strategy where it connects personal brands, employer brands, and business brands. So we're going to unpack that today in, in the episode. And I think you're going to love Robin and his personality and his um, zing that he has about him. So Robin, welcome to the Bombshell Business Podcast. Thank you, Amber. I'm excited to be here. Okay, so let's just dive right in. First of all, just to have a little bit of background, um, I know your backstory, but just for anybody, how did you get to be the top luxury vacation rental company in Colorado? Like, where did you begin? How did we get there? Uh, That's a great question. I mean, I have to say that there is sometimes that I find myself pinching myself and saying, how did I get here? (laughs) Um, I say that when I look out the window and look up at the mountain in Steamboat Springs where we live and realize how much I appreciate where we are and the kind of life that we have. Um, But it has been an interesting journey. Um, I feel like uh, following my uh, business school experience in London, I was very grounded and in a very kind of business-like environment there that I feel like I escaped in the 90s. (laughs) And um, I escaped because... One of the thoughts I had in my head is someday I'm going to be looking out the window of some busy, big office block saying, I wish I had done this when I could. Because, you know, when you get tied into family and career and commitments like that, then some of those other big aspirational dreams that you have um, get harder to achieve. Mm. So I took my leap and uh, said, you know, I've got to do this while I can. And um, I'd always had a passion for sailing. And uh, one, there's a few stories I could tell you about how we came to this moment, but um, I came to the realization that the big adventure I wanted to have was sail across the Atlantic. 
And uh, by talking to enough people and getting enough information together, I literally hiked my way, hitchhiked my way across the Atlantic on a fantastic 60-foot yacht and began a life of, of adventure as a professional yachtsman for a period of about 10 years. During that time, I uh, met my girlfriend, who then became my wife, Heather, and uh, together we cooked up this idea that we were having so much fun running a luxury charter yacht in the British Virgin Islands and listening to people tell us these are some of the best vacation experiences we've ever had, that we realized that if we were going to combine that with raising a family, then we needed to move to land and uh, create the possibility for that, which was moving mountains. We created that in Steamboat Springs back in the late 90s. So in a nutshell, that's the quick and dirty story about how we came to be having this much fun in, in the Colorado Rockies. Yeah. And you're you're like Mr. Adventurer USA. And then you have Heather, who's like the tsunami of energy. And you put the two of you together and it's like, well, of course, I mean, of course this happened, but my audience doesn't know you. So they don't know that this is like, obviously what would naturally happen when two people of that intensity come together to co-create something. So why, well, we'll skip that because we've got so much to cover. I wanted to say why Colorado, maybe you could, maybe just a little touch on why Colorado when you're coming from the ocean. Yeah. So I was born in the UK. Um, as I told you, I was at business school in London. So, um, but I feel like um, I'd always um, aspired to travel and really enjoy travel. And um, Colorado was actually a place that we had some family connections. As one of my aunts is uh, is based in Boulder, Colorado. So it wasn't totally for foreign territory, but um, probably the the uh, the seed of our inspiration was one of the first weeks that we worked together on on the 70-foot yacht we ran uh, with some people from, from Steamboat Springs. And I'm I'm one of those people now, but when you meet people from Steamboat, we, we kind of enjoy talking about this incredible community in the Colorado Rockies. And it's a community which has a world-class ski area. Um, it has so much history to do with ranching and agriculture. We, you know, I often think of it as, you know, the more stories you hear about Steamboat Springs, it's like peeling back the layers of the onion. You just uncover something else that's cool about this town. So we really, um, we were really drawn to it. We decided on on a last minute whim, three years after we met the people that came on the yacht from Steamboat, we decided to fly to Steamboat and check out this place in the mountains and really see if that was something that we might be interested in. And we came in the <laughs> the worst time of the year, the first week of mud season. Oh no! <laughs> the ski mountain was already closed. We already we kind of knew that, um, so we skied a couple of other places in Colorado. But Steamboat was the place we wanted to come and check out, and and I would say that seeing it at that time of the year was a, a light bulb moment for me in terms of if this place looks this cool at this time of the year, there's something to this, and we have to come back and keep exploring it. And uh, it was on our second visit six months later that we found what ended up being the first property that ended up being a three-month crazy chase um, to put together the money to, to buy a property in the mountain area and begin this mountain venture. But um, that was 25 years ago. <laughs> I, wow. I could kind of um, pinch myself that it, it's gone by that quick. But in that time, we've done almost everything we said that we 
came here to do. We we set up a luxury, fully catered um, experience in a ski chalet, um, which became two ski chalets in the third year, became 10 after about eight years. And all of a sudden, it was as if you lit the touch paper and a good idea suddenly caught on fire. And we went from 10 to 20 to 30 to 40 to We've, you know, grown, grown the company beyond all recognition now to manage about 200 properties in four markets in the Colorado Rockies. And and just because there will be listeners who are like, I'm going where he is, where are the, and obviously I know, but the Moving Mountain um, destinations in Colorado? So you have Steamboat Springs and? Yep. So uh, in 2019, we expanded into the Vale Valley. And so we added Vale and Beaver Creek and um, both very family-friendly and world-class ski destinations. And then last summer, we had the opportunity to buy a company in Breckenridge and uh, grew our team into that fourth market. So Steamboat, Vale, Beaver Creek, and Breckenridge. I mean, it's um, I can't think of a better collection of, of ski resorts. Yeah. Um, everything for us operationally is within two hours of our home base in Steamboat, but we have somehow managed to pull together an incredible team of motivated hospitality professionals. You've met some of them and worked with some of them. And I mean, we're we're in an exciting place right now, really enjoying the ride and the continued feedback from the guests and the owners. Yeah, that's so great. So let's let's kind of start breaking down this whole process because I have everything yeah. that I want to ask already about the business brand, the fast growth and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um but let's just start every business like you said it was it was you and heather and Mm -hmm. and a hope and a dream and pulling some money together (laughs) so let's talk about your personal brand so your professional reputation you're very involved in the industry like you speak at conferences you attend more conferences than most business owners i know you do show up on podcasts. You're very active on LinkedIn. Um, you're involved in the the local community, both in giving back and and also in you know the the policy and politics and everything that comes around hospitality and, and uh, vacation and travel. Where did you come along? Like, where on the journey did you go? Oh, I better start paying attention to how people respond to me. I better start positioning myself. Like, was that a conscious thing or? just something that happened naturally. I think you just put that perfectly. It's like, um, it's been a journey. And I would tell you in the beginning, when you're trying to begin to, to take an idea and turn it into uh, a business, or as you know, we started to realize that what we needed to create was a brand where there were consistent expectations of service and quality. You know, it is a journey. So that's not what you focused or it's not what we focused on in the beginning. I think what we focused on was just trying to find enough people to keep the lights turned on and the mortgage paid. And there are more than enough tasks to do at the beginning that you are simply focused on the execution of the of the concept, um, developing as you go. You know, we kind of learned as as we went. We we took everything that we knew about hospitality and guest experience from what we had learned from working on a sailing yacht. We realized that actually the way we looked at it was it's actually easier to do a lot of what we used to do if you do it in a house because the house isn't moving and the the environment's a lot more stable. Um, But I think it took a number of years before we started realizing that there are other things that you need to do in order to nurture your business. 
And part of that is to nurture the industry that you're in. And what I love about this industry is it's a very welcoming and encouraging industry. And in the beginning, I would say that people encouraged us. And so me getting more involved and us getting actively involved in the industry is sort of a way of perpetuating that cycle. So there's growth that occurs when you give back That's in the smart. same way that there's growth that comes when you receive information. Okay. And that cycle is, it becomes part of the secret sauce of how you run a great company is you learn from others. You know, I, I, I'm sure we came up with some original ideas of our own in there. It's hard to tell which are the original ideas, which is our idea and something we learned from somebody else. But that constant evolution and refinement that's kind of led us to this place. Um, you know, I, I, I love that drawing that people say success, you know, that they think it goes from A to B. And the reality is that, you know, you are the product of all of your mistakes. And yeah. this kind of line to where you end up with a very squiggly line that takes you from point A where you started with such a simple idea to um it's like the um the theory of darwinism if it doesn't kill you it makes you stronger and so when you survive your mistakes or you learn from something that works and something that doesn't work you know our willingness i think in the end our willingness to try new ideas mm -hmm. and to see if something would work and to try and validate that against the original business model that's kind of a cycle of life that we've gone through many times so we tried adding a home that maybe, you know, we originally had this focus on a luxury high-end experience. If we added a property that wasn't quite the same quality, what we learned from that is that just adding another home isn't always the answer. You know, just bringing in more money. Well, what if you end up with a different clientele that doesn't appreciate all the other touches that you want mm -hmm. to offer? And then when you feel like you're not getting value, you find that, well, actually I'm dedicating too much time to this client that doesn't need this set of services. All they want is, is a roof over their head. And that's not a client that fits with someone who says, hey, what else can you do for me? Which is, which is the client that wants us to move out the mountain for them. So our business is based around us is sitting here saying, what problem can we solve for the guest? And in a way, the guest has to be open to letting us solve problems for them. And so, uh, you know, in developing our business model, sometimes we didn't have a clear vision of this is where we were going. We were down in the weeds just doing things. But as time went along, I think we got our heads more out of there and said, okay, what is it we're trying to be here? What kind of a brand are we trying to build? Is it a brand or are we just, you know, taking whatever comes? And um, so it's this kind of process of continued refinement that has kind of led us to this place. Um, but I think, you know, to go back to also, another thing that I, I think we learned along the way is there's such a tremendous amount of trust. You, you can't be ambiguous in, in what you do, especially when you try to offer this kind of experience. It has to be, if you say you're going to offer an exceptional experience, it has to be without question. It You have to put 110% into it. Uh -huh. And we wanted to reach for that bigger bar and say, if we have a clientele that is willing to pay maybe above the, the average market price, because they want a better experience, so we better come through on that. Well, then the fun part about that is you get to sit down and write a list of, well, what are all the cool things that we could do that no one else is doing? And how do we pull that off? How do we provide them with a chef or grocery stocking service? Or how do we provide them with a full concierge team that can help them plan every aspect of their vacation and almost anticipate every one of their needs? 
Well, because you are the expert at at a high-end luxury ski vacation. You probably know way more than these people do. Plus, because of your strong brand, you can pull strings and get priority that Joe Schmo calling in once a year is not going to get. And I, I think that, you know, I, I, as I think about your brand, I think about going to the Biltmore Hotel one year and, you know, just going through the house in a cattle call <laughs> is not the the best experience. Like it's cool. Like everything's still neat about the Biltmore, but you're like crammed in there like sardines. And so we opted to do a, a behind the scenes, like private tour. And I'm like, I'm never doing this again, any other way. <laughs> like we got to go on the roof. We got to do all these cool things. And you're kind of looking down at everybody who's all crammed in together. And so there are people who will pay just a, to even feel like they're getting a luxury experience, whether it's that much different or not. Um, but I consider those people the people who like to be behind the velvet rope. And so just to kind of break down tactically what Robin just shared is they built their brand with an idea. They proved the concept every time they made a choice in renting or trying to see, is this going to work? They learned from their losses. They applied it to the business. And then they got really clear on their ideal customer. And they hyper-focus on solving their problems of their ideal customer, not on what they would like or want. That feeds the idea bank. But they're hyper-focused on the needs, the wants, the wishes, and the dreams of their customer. Is that pretty fair? That's pretty fair. Um, You know, some part of this could be just... um, you know, it's a little bit of what's inside of me, what's inside of Heather is experiences that we realized were special experiences. Yeah. I mean, neither of us has ever, ever wanted to go on a cruise ship. You know, that sort of experience of being herded, herded off oh God, of a ship onto a destination and shuttled onto a bus and kind of paraded around the island on a predetermined tour. That, I'm sorry, that's not my kind of vacation. I'm the person that wants to be on a private boat having something that, I'm I'm sorry, it's a few steps above that. Um, So something with a bit of wow factor, which is a term that we use almost every day in the business. You know, our homes have to have wow factor. You have to, you know, it's it's kind of a little little bit aligned with the uh, the world that we live in these days that we talk about the Facebook world that, where people show off their best lives. Well, what's great and fun about our business is it's very Facebook worthy. It is the kind of thing that you are going to celebrate that you get to have these kind of experiences. And I feel like that's, if you go back to the fundamentals of why do people take vacations? Because mm. they want to reward themselves for their hard work. That's and right. what is it that's challenging about a vacation is your expectations are so high. You've waited so long for that moment well, what if that moment is just being herded onto a bus or herded onto a ship and, you know, going on a predetermined course? That may check the box for, that obviously checks the box for a lot of people because it's at a value point, at a price point that allows um, people to have a certain type of experience. But what if you're looking for something that's kind of next level up to, for you to do? You know, we talk about how families make memories together. Well, that's the kind of the circle of people we were talking to and saying, well, if you're with your family and you want to make something memorable happen, then you need to do it in the right place and to have all things done as much as possible in order for you to be able to focus on that little bit of time that you're going to have together. 
you know, I think of a week's vacation as being incredibly, it goes by in a blur. Mm -hmm. And I love going anywhere for more than a week because I want to say after two days, oh, I still have a week to go. Because otherwise, you're almost in the countdown to when it's going to be over. Yeah. And if you think about like the average person who takes a week's vacation, then they, if you don't start the planning until you get there, then you waste two days of your vacation trying to figure out what is it that's the best thing to do here? Because you need to run around and talk to a bunch of people. So, you know, we just um, could see every time we went through that kind of experience that wouldn't it be great if when you call to book something, people ask you, what is it you want to do? You know, what are you hoping to get out of this trip? How can we help you get that dialed in? If you're coming here for a ski trip, we would say, are you looking to learn to ski? Are you an experienced skier? Do you think you might want to have a guide or an instructor? Are you looking to get to the next level up? You know, many people look at a ski trip as how to acquire more skills to be better to enjoy that experience more. Some people just want to feel like, oh, I just don't want to get lost on this <laughs> on this mountain. I want to have someone to ski with. And, you know, that's that's a very simple example of how you can point them in the direction of having an even better time on the mountain. I mean, other, other things that occurred to me, you know, that just kind of came along at the right time is having skis delivered and fitted in the house. You know, one of the things that we noticed early on is you show up and you arrive in a ski resort. It's probably snowing. It's hard to get around. The driving is crazy. You don't know where anything is. And you are standing in line for lift tickets, standing in line for ski rentals, standing in line for ski school, standing in line to get in, in the gondola. That's time. And you haven't even got your groceries yet. Right. And your <laughs> kids are tired and your wife is cranky and, and, you're, and the restaurants are already booked up. And you're just feeling like, oh, this vacation is just so much work. So we get people to kind of check those boxes before they get here. And that arrival experience can be just so much better from, from the get-go. So I know that that's how we created a legion of people that say, well, great. You, know, you ruined it for us because now we can't do this anywhere else. You know, the family isn't going to accept anything less than the Moving Mountains experience. <laughs> And did that trigger or prompt moving into other markets, like to just make this experience accessible that we're, let's just say they don't want to go to Steamboat every single vacation. They want to maybe go to Vail, but you're not in Vail. Did that influence which markets you expanded into? Um, it did. I mean, we heard from people from almost the first year that we were doing this, that, you know, this is great. And if you were in other markets, we would follow you in a heartbeat and and I mean, we started thinking about that idea. We we looked at expanding into Big Sky, Montana, um, which was another place we discovered back, um, I'm going to say in the first five years that we were doing this, we were already on that path. And we we tried something. And what we realized is that we, we were ahead of our time. We <laughs> needed to focus on making the core business successful before we stretch our wings and I mean, Big Sky is an incredible place. And so I you know, would love to have done something 20 years ago there because of how that market has grown. But picking a resort that's 16 miles, 16 hours north of you, it, logistically, that I did that trip a couple of times and I realized this isn't sustainable. Um, this isn't something that we're ready for. And, you know, we're raising two young kids and there's only so many hours in the day. So I think it was just a question of, like I said, you know, it wasn't as if this was a straight line. We tried a few things, we learned from that, we pulled back, and it took us 20 years to get to the point where we said, you know what, there is so many people now saying if you were in another market that we would follow you 
in a heartbeat that we've got to do this. If we're ever going to do this, we've got to do this now. And so we did it. And then <laughs> all of a sudden, we realized that, okay, this is different. That's different. I mean, it was, it, I can't say that it was without challenges, but I'm really glad that we did it in kind of a small and thoughtful way because those learnings that we got from that first experience, let alone that we had to the following six months go through COVID and what that looked like, you know, kind of uh, terrifying to make a big move and then be faced with a world-changing event. And then, of course, as we have all realized, especially those enlarging, realized that, well, that turned out way different to what we expected Mm -hmm. and actually then turned into a real lucky piece of timing. I mean, there's luck involved in everything, right? So um, having survived that kind of downswing and then realized that this is actually going to be a good thing, um, we continued to kind of learn because we had to change all of our systems and our accounting. All the things that it takes to run your business look different when you are not just based in one location. Your entire marketing message, you know, we used to market against Vale and Beaver Creek. Yeah. Now that's part (laughs) of the family. (laughs) You've got to stop pointing out that, you know, in Vail, the lift lines are so long, you can see them from space and uh, things like that. And go back into, these are, these are two incre- two more incredible destinations, and now you can have our level of, of experience and service there. And um, then we got a lot of validation from that to say two years later, if we had another opportunity to grow into another market, then we should definitely do this. And uh, there was a relationship that I'd say we'd been nurturing, you know, a friendly relationship that we had nurtured for about six, seven years. And when those people decided to try and exit from the business, they called us and literally asked if we would buy their their company. So there is another like concept of where your personal brand and Heather's personal brands and then the business that you built that, I mean, because, okay, let me pause and back up a minute. As business owners, our businesses are our babies. It's really hard to not have an emotional connection to something that you birthed and nurtured and grew. And so I'm sure it had a lot to do with the fact that they just know that you're good people, but it probably had something to do with if we're going to sell, we want to sell to somebody who has a brand reputation that we can be proud about handing our baby over to. I would agree. Um, I think we were very much cut, cut from the same cloth the same idea about, you know, why we we're in this business. Um, they were people that we um, spent a lot of time with at conferences. You know, that's what it's kind of a friendship, um, kinship in this industry. Yeah. And you love what I love about going to the conferences is meeting people that have been where we've been, you know, walked in the same shoes. And so when you can kind of peer to peer share some of that, you can kind of lift each other up and you get a lot of confirmation that you're on the right track and you let, you get a lot of really great ideas. I mean, the learning that you get from being out in the industry, I, I could say to anyone who is in this business, if you've never been to a conference, it's like you need to, to go back and kind of learn from others. Yeah. I think maybe that's one of many reasons because typically the, the verticals to use proper language that I, I serve I'm not like super involved in their industry. Like I show up for events or trainings Mm -hmm. and I have friends, definitely friends, but um, the vacation rental industry, like I can say I am in the vacation rental industry. They just kind of like envelop you. And what I, what I love is just like speakers. We're not really in competition with each other. Like if anybody knew how often 
um, like I was just watching an exchange, somebody tagged somebody, they're like, oh, she'd be great for this. And she was like, you know what, but so-and-so is actually closer and that might be better for them. Like, we're just not trying to hoard, like there's enough business for everybody to just make the pie bigger. And I feel like that's the same spirit that the vacation rental industry has as well of just like, let's all support each other. I would agree. I think it's the sign of an industry that is maturing fast, yeah. but it's not, you know, it's sophisticated in some ways, and but yet it's still very approachable in so many other ways. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, because of that, it's drawn, it's allowed a lot of people to enter the industry and those that have managed to grow. Um, clearly, they had what it takes and they had maybe that same spark in them that realized that, you know, part of why we wanted to stay in vacations was realizing that it's fun to hang out with people on vacation who are having the best days of their lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of infectious. Like if you, if you can keep sight of that, and despite the other tasks that you have to do, mastering the technology, looking at spreadsheets, running accounting reports. I mean, all the things that we have to do that are not fun, not sexy and not interested and not even be remotely looking like someone on vacation. But if you can connect that back to the reason we do this is because we're helping people have the best days of their lives yeah. and you get validation of that, then you're like, oh, I want to do this more mm-hmm. because if I can be successful at that, then maybe I can go and have some of those same experiences myself. And that's something that I really kind of try to sell now to my team is I want you guys to be also able to have these experiences. We've got this great partnership with Third Home that's enabling us to get our employees out there into the world and and helping owners, you know, this is almost not related to the rental business, but helping an owner leverage the value of their homes. And also through our relationship with Third Home, for example, allowing our employees to be out there and say, someday I'm going to be with my family and I'm going to have that experience, um, which is the same experience that um, our company um, allows people to have who come and stay with us. You know, that goes right down to a maintenance guy, someone in housekeeping, you know, their jobs are, that's a hard job. Very hard. Engineering and housekeeping, hands down too, that just are thankless unless you have an employer who gets it. And I was, I was trying to pull some luxury magazines that I keep on hand because when I work with hotels and you've got, you know, somebody making $16 an hour being a customer service rep and all they are on the phone, now they're at home, they used to be in a call bank and, and they've never been in the luxury property that they're selling or upselling or solving problems for. And so I love that that is one of many of parts of your employer value proposition that you do offer you get to be in this home and this is like work for you. <laughs> this is luxury experience, but you also can take advantage of this industry that we're in too. So let's go to the employee experience real quick. Yeah. So you you grew into multiple markets and then you're kind of like, hmm, now we have like a home office and shared services. This is this is a bigger operation. When did you when did the light turn on for you that if you took care of your employees like at a very intentional level because i believe you and heather naturally are that human anyways but being very systematized about how you hire how you onboard how you engage your team how you bid them farewell when they move on to other things like what was that moment again i would say a series it's a series of learnings like you learn from experiences, you have good hiring and bad hiring experiences. So then you ask the question, why did we make that hire when that person clearly wasn't a fit for that job? Yeah. Then you go and talk to somebody who knows more about it than you. 
And they say, oh, well, you need a hiring process and you need to be thoughtful about um, what the goals and ambitions of the people that you're hiring are and are they in alignment with your own values? And then you say, well, my values, I got my values up here. I mean, they're in a drawer somewhere. I think we did that a while ago. Didn't we hire a consultant for that? (laughs) So, um, you know, maybe that first conversation about what is your company culture that came from a good friend who uh, worked with us as a consultant for a few years. And, uh, you know, Chad helped us help draw that, those cultural moments from both myself and from Heather and from our team. It was something we developed together where we say a very, in a very traditional sense, you know, what is your mission, your vision? What are your core values? And we came up with what is our code, but very unique to us and, and kind of enjoyed the process of saying, well, that, that is our mission. You know, our mission is to create memorable vacations and exceptional mountain homes. And when you put that up on on the wall and you say, well, that's what we're here to do, then everyone gets it. It's like, of course, that's what we're here to do. But that isn't necessarily our mission is not to write spreadsheets. Our mission is not to run reports. But you do that in pursuit of the mission because the mission allows you to achieve that kind of goal. So once we kind of coalesced around that was probably we were probably 10 years into it. And I and I've met a lot of people and when I've been talking about culture and when is the time that you need that? I think it's whenever you're ready to receive that idea. Because yeah. the soon and then I would say, and the sooner you're ready to receive that idea, it will be a pivot point for your business in terms of how your team develops moving forwards. Because then the culture no longer lives in your heart or in your head, but it actually can live in a form that everyone can say, Yeah, these are our values. You know, you see where you did this. Now, you know, we have we have our values like Every challenge is an opportunity. And part of that is from trying to help employees understand that um, guests who are stressed out, that doesn't always feel like the most comfortable situation when someone's been traveling for a whole day and they're in front of you and they're frustrated because they're not getting along with the family because they don't ever spend any time together. They came on this vacation and and everyone's got a little bit of stress in them from, from just the journey. And what you realize is there's the challenge, call it a challenge. Now, turn that into an opportunity. What is our opportunity? Why do we do the things that we do is because th- we're here to help these people have have the great thing that they they came here to experience. And I just feel like by having simple guidelines like that, it's enabled our bigger team, not just myself and Heather saying, well, this is what you do in this situation, but helping people to understand that, yes, one of our values is to deliver well whenever possible. So when you're trying to think about how you can help this guest, then do it in a way that delivers wow. Don't just answer that question, but maybe go a little bit further and see if you can get them to go wow. And I feel like those are the things that cumulatively have kind of helped us to find our place and then kind of defend our position in the market. You know, we do look at it as a business and we have to fend off the competition. And it's like, this is where we have pulled away from the competition by saying, you know, we literally want the guests to feel like we would move them out for you. Mm. And and I get these tales now every day of these things that these people have done heroically while no one was looking that have created these, these net promoter scores that are off the charts. And it is kind of circled around into um, being a place that we have less employee turnover. And, um, you know, that culture is something that we've learned. You kind of need to learn to talk about it every day. Um, I think um, others in the industry like Casago, you know, they are also, they stand out as people that get that if you talk about culture every day, then that culture becomes it's kind of like the what people say like the language of love i mean the language of culture is is kind of the same thing you know you speak yeah. the same language 
Yeah. And it is, you know, some people go through the the process of it. And then I joke, they stick it in a drawer and forget about it. And if you're not hiring based on your culture, if you're not developing people based on your culture, if you're not disciplining and coaching and counseling people on it, if you're not promoting people based on it, then it really doesn't mean anything. It's just words on a paper. But what I've found with with your team and just even driving in, because listen, to get anywhere in Colorado to a ski place, it's multiple planes and a and a and a, a journey, like pack a snack and get your um your shots at the border. But the thing that our driver said was, Oh, you're in a moving mountains house. And he didn't know that I was there to work. He didn't know anything. He was like, They're such great. That's I mean, you're staying with the best. Like such great people. We love the people who work for moving mountains. Like it wasn't just like, oh, we know that's the bougie brand. It was about the people and how we were going to have a great experience because your people would take care of us. Like that, that's when I was like, these people are who I thought they were, but thanks for the confirmation. So I, I just think that that, you know, if we, to just kind of tie it all together. So you, you have strong personal brands. You got involved in your industry. You made a name for yourself that afforded you the opportunity to expand. Um, You have an amazing employer brand because you have such a strong culture that's woven throughout every single day and all different experiences that empowers your team to not be like, well, let me call Robin and see what he says, or well, let me check in with Heather. They're empowered. They keep the brand standards and that brand promise alive as individuals coming together as a team. And then you have this ridiculous brand. And I just challenge anybody who is obsessed with branding like me, just Google Moving Mountains, Colorado, just Google it. You're going to find story after story, Forbes, travel, everything. And in the article, Moving Mountains is like number one luxury ski resort or ski uh, vacation rental company in Colorado, like first go. So you've done all of this. And and I love that you admit that it was a little bit of push pull is a little like, oh, that was a good idea. And a little of, well, that was a mistake. We'll learn from that. A little bit of luck, a little bit of timing, like it all came together, but you just haven't quit. But since you focused on all of these, and I won't get too big on the book direct conversation, but just so everybody listening understands, Robin does not own an Airbnb company. He owns a vacation rental company. And when you book a home that is not your home, that is a private home that you're staying in, that is a vacation rental or a short-term rental. It is not an Airbnb any more than Kleenex is facial tissue. Okay. So we're just going to say that. So you're not dependent on OTAs, online travel agencies to be the engine of your business. What percentage of your, of your bookings are direct bookings? Uh, you know, consistently it's somewhere between 70 and 80% of our reservations. And that's crazy. uh, I would say that that, um, goes back to a conversation. Maybe, I mean, all of these things, um, you know, it's only when you define it that you kind of realize that here's a way we can talk about this. I said to the team one day, I got them all in the room at our weekly meeting. And I said, what is the business that you think we're in? And of course, you know, and I, and I (laughs) ended up doing it as a game of hangman and I put up all the dashes on the board and I said, you get, if you, if you can guess now what kind of business we're in, um, you know, I'll I'll give a hundred dollars to the winner. And, you know, they were like, Oh, is it vacation rental? And they, there was a few people that try to take one stab at it. And eventually they start calling out the letters and, you know, we spell out the word relationship. Mm, so good. And like because you think we're in the property management business, you think that we're in the vacation rental industry, you might even think that we're in the Airbnb business. But the reality is, and this 
goes across any business, I would challenge any business owner not to find this common thread is if you think of your business as a relationship business, then you think about every one of your core constituents, because in a relationship business, our employees, what matters to us is the relationship between us as the owners and our team of employees. That is what binds us together. And then how we relate to the owners who trust us with the homes that we manage and take care of and the experiences that they get to have in their homes, that is that relationship is fundamental to even being in this business. Uh And then to your point about the shuttle driver who shared that he had a good experience working with our team, it's us also realizing that we're not just transactionally connected to someone who has a vehicle. We try to have a good relationship with everybody that we work with. And if you can take that mentality into everything that you do, then you actually find that you end up, you know, kind of lifting each other up because it's the relationship that makes it actually fun to work together. Uh And, you know, if work is fun, then life is fun, right? That's right. I, I couldn't agree more. Like I was just thinking the other day how lucky I am that my employees work for me and how blessed I am to have such awesome people that I get to have fun with every day. We solve problems and we're obviously relationship based as well. But when you do go to work and you feel like this is these people are my people, like I'm careful to not use family because that's like a whole nother level, like work family. Um, It is a job. You're getting a paycheck. You're exchanging your gifts and in exchange for, um, you know, money. But when you work for a company like yours, if your values don't align, that's like an obvious like self-selection out the door <laughs> because it's uncomfortable, right? But right. if you go and you get to hang out the majority of your waking hours with people who share your values and share your passion and you know really love people, that's a whole different experience for anybody in the day-to-day. And, and that's where retention really soars. Um, I think that's why you could actually make the comparison that this is why it's not family is because the challenge with family is you can't choose your family, right? You can't leave. (laughs) You can ghost, but you can leave, but it tends to not, you know, it tends to be um, that there's more stress in those kind of situations. Uh Maybe that's, you know, for another conversation, but those are the challenges with families is you end up, you know, you may have the same parents, but you end up with different people. That's kind of what makes it fun. It's also what makes it challenging. With employees, you're trying to build a team. You know, I like, I love that you use that um, team analogy at, at Durham, you know, that you're trying, and I have used that analogy many times to say, you know, it's kind of like we're, we're a playoff contender and we're trying to go to the Super Bowl every year with every guest, you know, so it requires us to be focused like a team. We talk about leveraging collective genius. That is having all the components you need it to win a championship. You have to have a great quarterback, but you need running backs and wide receivers and, and everybody talented at every position and a coach who has some kind of vision about where we're going. What business is so like that or our businesses? And again, it comes down to, again, I would break it down into the relationship thing is the magic source, uh-huh. that it's that trust and it's that um, common values, common ideals common direction um, because we would probably want to say at the beginning is another thing to understand is this is not easy work. So um, when it's challenging, when you are personally being challenged by an owner who maybe doesn't get your friendly relationship vibe that you want to have and (laughs) says, why isn't, why don't you have the rentals that you had last year? Um, You know, part of how you make it through that is, is by focusing on where we've got relationship, we've got trust, we've got belief in each other. 
if I say something, I hope that they um, will trust and believe that what I'm telling you is everything I know about where the market is today. It's not that we're not trying, um, but we're, you know, the market is constantly shifting. This is a, a business of constant change. So, yeah. And, and that trust has been built where when you yeah. have to take that withdrawal, you've made so many deposits that you're not bankrupting that relationship. Right. When you said that now, I'm like, shoot, I should have sh- shared the story at DARM, which is the data and revenue management conference in the industry. <laughs> so this is years ago, but somehow another mom and I ended up coaches of our son's soccer team. Neither of us have ever coached soccer before. I didn't even really understand the game fully football to you, Robin, I realized, but in America, we call it soccer. And so I think she had been like a assistant coach when her son was like two or, you know, something super young. I'm a communications person. So we bumped heads and we, we bought some books and we're like, okay, so she'll be in charge of like running the drills and the fundamentals and making sure that they understand the basics. I'm going to be responsible for making sure they communicate effectively with each other, that they know their names and that the parents feel involved and engaged and that it's a big, big brouhaha every Saturday. So we did drills where they had to pass the ball to each other and call each other's names. And we required them during practice to use the name of the person that they were about to pass the ball to or that they needed backup or whatever to always use names. So we get these kids on the field and uh, they just they just crushed everybody because they knew how to communicate. They knew how to work together as a team and they felt connected to each other because these other kids didn't even know what their teammates names were. We won the whole shebang. We won the entire thing. Neither of us had any experience coaching soccer, but it was really just about being brilliant with the basics and having that relationship. And so now I'm going to add that to a keynote, Robin. Thank you for that that prompt. (laughs) I love that. that. And, uh, you know, it reminded me that um, you're that mom who's um, a lot like Heather. I mean, Heather signed up to coach the kids soccer teams and she would come home and say what is the offside rule i don't understand that right <laughs> neither i was always looking at the the main coach i'm like what was that that was was it good that wasn't good no it's not boo like i didn't know <laughs> but my my kids knew each other's names that was my job we always had snacks so <laughs> so i always wrap up by asking every single guest one final question. And in light of what a bombshell is, a bold, brave, unwaveringly confident woman in business, but also like you, we have male listeners. What would what would your parting piece of advice be for that woman who's trying to strengthen her confidence and trying to make her mark in the world professionally? Um, big question. Um, I would say, you know, it, it takes a lot of self-belief and um, a lot of what I think it takes to be successful in business comes down to um, it's I would go back to an analogy that I learned from mountain bike racing. So in a mountain bike race, you start off and, you know, hopefully you've done your preparation, your training, you start off and, you know, you're halfway into there's inevitably a big climb and you're suffering because you're on the edge of physical exhaustion and you're running out of oxygen. We live at 7000 feet and we yeah. often mountain bike race to above 10,000 feet. So, um, you know, you're pushing yourself as hard as you can. And there is many, many times that I have learned to say to myself, you're not the only person suffering here. Everybody else, in fact, mentally, you say, you know what, they're suffering more than you are. And so many times after the race, you know, that maybe it, it hopefully ideally turns out better than you uh, were feeling at that moment where you crossed the hill and you 
think you're about to black out because you're just down so low on your oxygen. You charge down the hill and you uh, you make it to the finish line and then you kind of rehash the race with people and you're like, oh my God, I was suffering on the hill so much. And they were like, oh my God, I was, I was going to die. I couldn't believe how hard you were pushing me. And then you realize that you were both pushing each other to the limit and you had no idea. Thanks. So in my in my way of transposing that into business is that every time you are doubting yourself, part of the reason why you doubt yourself is because you think everybody around you has got it figured out. And the reality is that everyone is learning as they go yeah. and everyone makes mistakes and everyone has the same set of challenges. So if you can kind of bring it down to, I'm not a loser, I've got this, I, and focus on what your core skills are and your belief in your idea, then I think that that can often help you kind of overcome those challenges of thinking, this is never going to work. Because I'm very fond of saying in our team is like, don't tell me this isn't going to work. If you don't believe that this way of doing it is going to work, let's find a way to do it. You know, let's find a way to climb the mountain. Let's find a way. Um, do we need to go back and train harder? Do we need better equipment? This is on my on my computer screen every single day, and it has been since COVID. Okay, that we can't do it that way anymore. How can we do it? Yeah. Th well, that that didn't work. I just spent twenty five thousand dollars on a big nothing burger. But okay, what did we learn from it? You know. Yeah. So you make. I mean, part of it is making mistakes and saying, "Let's never repeat that mistake again." Yeah. So what did we learn, and how do we go around that? Because doing the same thing twice is, you know, that's a recipe for failure. But um, when you learn from your mistakes and you kind of remind yourself that other people are struggling just like you are, and that these are everyday problems that everyone deals with, how to keep your business afloat, how to meet the challenges of the future, how to keep your team happy. I mean, there are so many resources out there. Um, so not. Also, I would say not always just looking at your keyboard and saying, I've got to come up with the answers is look around. Mm -hmm. I mean, people are, there's, there's a lot that you can uh, lean into that will help you run your business. 100%. I love that. Well, Robin, this has been, I think, such a fruitful conversation. And I feel that just sharing your journey of starting with one house and then now over 204 markets with, you know, net promoter scores out the roof and 70 to 80% direct booking. Like that is proof in the pudding that every example and every anecdote that you've shared today is certainly worth something to take into consideration. So um, I'm super excited to see you and Heather in Las Vegas. Yeah. And um, I just appreciate your time and being so willing to share with our audience. Likewise. Thanks, Amber. Well, Bombshell, I always love having my smart friends on the show, as you know. <laughs> so I hope that was as edifying to you as it was to me. Um, you can find Robin at movingmountains.com. We'll also put his LinkedIn uh, connection. You probably want to follow him on LinkedIn as well as just somebody who really has a strong personal brand, who interacts with his own team, interacts in the industry, kind of look what he's commenting on and, and observe that. I, he's somebody I use as an example when I do brand reviews and um, and I think it would be good for you to connect there. So everything that we talked about today will be in the show notes. And of course, if you're planning a ski vacation, you know who to go through. So with that, if you have not left a rating and review, please go ahead and head over to whatever your listening app is and do that or give us a like and subscribe on YouTube. And we will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Bombshell Business Podcast. Visit AmberHurdle.com for more resources like show notes and check out the BombshellBusinessWoman.com to grab my book and download the free bonuses.